We are in the middle of season two of the Men Up podcast. And as a team, we've decided to focus the next three episodes on accountability. It is so clear to us that throughout this pandemic, but even before that, it is necessary for us to be able to hold ourselves and hold the people around us, the community members, the leaders, accountable for the things they say and do and intentions. So the next three episodes, we are focused on accountability. And to get us into this episode, you know how we like to do it here at the Men Up Podcast. We got the pep talk. So Lamar, what do you got for us? The idea of progress over perfection, particularly when it comes to holding men accountable and leaders accountable, I think, in personal life and in work work life. I think with men, I think it's a, a serious issue of progress over perfection. And I know for myself, like, in terms of being uh, politically correct, I think a lot of men may struggle there. Um, I know I have in the past, but I think what we're trying to do on this podcast and what we try to do in general is like, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to always say the right thing or do the right thing, but we can try um, and we can hold ourselves to a higher level of consciousness and commitment to being better, um, knowing that sometimes that we're going to um, we're going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, um, have the wrong thought. Um, and so we're learning to not be on the wrong side of history. Progress over perfection. It's not always going to be perfect, but move forward, move forward, move forward. And welcome to the Men Up podcast. I am Christian Shabu. Drew Chen. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Womble. And thank you so much for joining us this week and every week as we dig into culture, current events, our own events, and as we redefine manhood and masculinity so that we, however you identify, can all thrive. All right, if you've been with us now for a while here in season two, you know we like to kick it off with something we call the starting lineup, which is when we ask a question at random from a whole bunch of questions we generated at the beginning of the season to get to know each other better and hopefully for you to get to know us a little bit better. So Drew, over to you for the starting lineup question. Okay, team. Starting lineup question today is, what's your worst experience playing a sport? <laughs> We're going to kick it over to Will first, followed by Lamar, Shabu, and then I will bat cleanup. All right. I got a ton of these, but uh, I'm going to go with where I witnessed, I, I feel like it all came crashing down for me as in terms of my true competitive athletic uh, experiences. Um, when I went to college, <clears throat> I thought I was pretty good at basketball. I thought I was decent enough to go and, and play maybe D3. And I went to a D3 school. Uh, the first two months of my college life, though, was an experience. And so by the time basketball tryouts came out, uh, I had, uh, not put in the work, I think. And, uh, I would say the tryouts were nothing short of a full and utter embarrassment for me athletically. Just everything that I tried to do was, I was way slower than I thought I was. I couldn't jump as high as I thought I could. I wasn't even wearing the right gear. I had <laughs> red shorts. We'll call them shorts. They were not basketball shorts. They had cargo pockets on them. They were, I was, it was a disaster. I still have, and I still have a chip in my tooth because the coaches didn't know where to put me. I, you know, I'm six, 
375 pounds or whatever at the time. They didn't know where to put me. So they put me down with the forwards. And one of the guys who was legit 6'5", 215, drove his shoulder straight into my mouth and chipped my bottom teeth on day one. It was all a spiral for me. It was, it was, it was humbling and uh, embarrassing. And it was just, I, I, I could not walk out of there with my head high. Well, I got to ask, I mean, you and I have been playing basketball together since we were in third grade. Yeah. How did you go into that tryout not wearing the right shorts? There was a part of me that probably was not just, I just wasn't taking it serious. He was going Billy right. Ho style. Billy Ho exactly. style. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I can't ball. I can't ball. Come out in cargo shorts. <laughs> Lamar, what do you got? My ninth grade year, I was playing uh, freshman basketball. And, you know, as a ninth grade, there's a lot of like, I think coaches are trying to teach a lot of discipline. Uh, so it's a lot of like suicides and wall sits and stuff like that when you're, when you mess up or, or do something wrong. And uh, we were, <clears throat> I think at some point throughout practice, like this is the time when 1997 was when like wrestling was everything. Like WWF was everything. Monday Night Raw was like everything. Nitro was everything. And so we're like in the middle of practice, like maybe on the wall doing suicides or getting ready to do suicides. And the coach is like, Wumble, Hanson, what the hell are y'all talking about? And I was like, I got, I was caught off guard because we were just kind of like shooting the shit. And uh, I, I look over and we were talking about, um, was it? Oh yeah, Wrath. I don't know if y'all remember a wrestler named Wrath. And uh, we were like, and his finishing move was called the Meltdown. So I kind of look over at the coach and I was like, uh, uh, the Wrath and the Meltdown. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like, get on the line. Lamar, you referencing Wrath makes it clear to me that you were really into wrestling. Like Wrath was deep on the bench. We're not talking about like Stone Cold or The Rock. No, he was. I don't know nothing about wrestling. So uh, Shabu, over to you. <laughs> I like what you did there, Drew. The one for me that I feel like I still like, still have some baggage around is uh, my senior year of high school, was running track, ran track all four years. For a lot of track, was a middle distance runner because I ran cross country with Will. And, and I really actually shouldn't have been a middle distance runner. Like I was okay at it, right? But actually found my senior year of high school that I was a much better sprinter. And the only reason I got into sprinting was because like we didn't have, we, we virtually had nobody to run sprinting events for our team. So somebody had to do it, right? On the guy's side. So I ended up sprinting and it was actually really good, right? And like in our class, like was in top three fastest guys for the year and sort of that stuff. And so we go into May and getting towards the end of the season starting to gear up for like regionals and all that kind of stuff not feeling great i'm super tired super sick but whatever just kind of like push it off do like the you know stereotypical macho 17 year old guy thing just tough it out pumping my body full of like tylenol and echinacea at the time that was my like that's what i was doing i don't know it's ridiculous now thinking about it our prom came around was super sick like if you look at any pictures from my prom I'm a light yellowish color, uh, which is really strange. And that night, like late, late that night, I end up in the emergency room because I've had mono for over a month and I've enlarged several of my internal organs from taking way too much Tylenol and just like ignoring this thing. So what ends up happening is like all of the significant track meets for the rest of the year, I end up like missing them. We get to the regional event. I haven't trained for like four weeks. I'm super slow and just never get to compete at the high level. 
that I was hoping to, right. And had shown that I could throughout the season. And like, I still regret that not to say like I was going to be some sort of like college or Olympic sprinter, but I was pretty damn good. Right. And like, could have had that moment of glory and just did not. I'm going to tell you the story of being at the bottom of the mountain, hitting the top and then falling right back down. Uh, my soccer talent from a playing standpoint basically was I was good enough to be on the bench for varsity at the end of sophomore year. And so same thing, junior year and junior year, we finished the year as one of the top teams ranked in the state. We won triple crown, which means we went state county and groups. And we're a small size school or group two out of four. So, I mean, to give you an idea, my graduating high school class was 170. So small, but we were beating group four teams. Going into, um, no, sorry, to end the year, I got enough playing time because our starting sweeper, who was a senior, was hurt. So I got thrown in, new position, got enough games where like we were winning. We got to the playoffs, um, won a couple with me there, and then he came back and you know he played and we got through. So all that to say, at the end, my kind of crowning moment is I got selected as most improved player, which is a pretty cool award. Sometimes I think of it as like, well, it's the you used to really suck award and now you got better. So going into the off season, my coach, who mind you, at the time was an MLS star for the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Here's a little history lesson here. Um, basically builds out this big plan for me with a great note to be like, you know, like Chin, you made some really great strides. We're going to need you on the back line. Here's what you got to improve on, dot, 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 dot. Where I fell back down the hill, I was back on the bench senior year. This is the year where, you know, all the seniors are supposed to emerge, and I had a freshman basically take my spot. Clearly was better because I just did not put in the work. And I share that because it goes in well of what we're about to talk about with accountability. I didn't put in the work. I didn't I, – I don't know why. Um, and to your point, Shabu, definitely carried that guilt for a while. Um, maybe kind of still to this day. It is time to get into it. It is game time. We're going to focus this episode and the next several episodes on the theme of accountability. Now, if you've been with us for all of season two so far, you'll know that we've taken the long-term view, stepped back from the pandemic, multiple crises, and are asking ourselves, what are we learning or what have we learned during this time? So Lamar, I want to kick it over to you to get us started. What you got? When I think about accountability, um, it takes me back to when I first moved to New York City and uh, I was working as a dream director with obviously with Yushibu. And so when I think about accountability, I think about being introduced to like a working, ongoing live document that is uh, meant to have everyone be aware of what it is that they are required to do and what work they need to get done. And that was the first time that I really had experienced something like that because you're just so used to just doing your own thing, right? And then I think there's an element of like, not only holding yourself accountable to the work, but also holding your team accountable to the work uh, inside of a dashboard. And so I just think about uh, those moments uh, where I struggle to kind of like hold myself accountable, be inside of that dashboard, uh, but also ha having the courage to like hold people accountable inside of that dashboard for also not getting their work done. And me saying something to them doesn't mean it's like a personal thing. It just means for us to be as great as we all can possibly be, we all gotta get this done. Like my success is your success. And I think that's what um, I learned about accountability from 
uh, Salome, but also kind of working in inside of dashboards at the future project. So uh, I would love to open that up to you all and just kind of listen to what you all think or what your experiences has been with uh, being held accountable or what it means to you. For me, and I was actually reflecting on this this morning before we were recording when I do the pre-games on Instagram Live, just like sort of framing out what we're going to be talking about and was thinking about accountability. And I think for me, even just doing that processing in real time and thinking about it before these episodes, one, it's about being really clear on what my values are, right? And what that means for how I want to just live my life day in and day out, right? The second piece of accountability is understanding what are the promises? What are the commitments that I've made, right? And then the third piece to, to your point, Lamar, is all about integrity, right? It's like, what are the systems, structures, people that are going to keep me accountable, right? And, and when I don't live into those values, don't live into those commitments, those promises, uh, the accountability piece is how do I own that and how do I shift whatever things I need to in order to stay further in integrity? So I don't know how to define accountability. I, I get better the idea of the actions that make accountability happen. I will say... I can't tell you that the moment when someone introduced accountability to me of saying like the word and be like, this is what it is. I'm holding you accountable. What I think now being, you know, an adult and being a leader, like the other A word that goes so close to accountability is alignment. Can you set the vision and are we aligned? And then I hold you accountable to it. But I do want to share one quick story because I want to say it is junior year of college. And I have been selected as one of a, a couple uh, students to run our orientation program. And like we led it together. So we call it like co-intern. So it's junior going to the senior year summer um, because the orientation is in the summer. And after being selected, you know, amongst peers and whatnot, I basically just made this dumb mistake in our cafeteria where I like stole a bag of candy for my friend. No idea why. Didn't need to do it. And got caught, you know, escorted out of the cafeteria by campus police. So that was like a small scene, but like embarrassing. And so the judicial process was really as follows. I had to meet with our director of student life. I had to meet with our director of residence life. Um, and I think maybe the associate dean of students, you know, who was the orientation program um, director. When I got down to her as the director of, of residence life, you know, I was basically like, like, so what does this mean for me? You know, and I, I, she could just tell I had this shame or guilt on my face. Like, and if you remember those moments when you're sitting in office, whatever, you know, age you are, when you know you've done something wrong, it just covers you. And she basically said this, she goes, look, I know there's nothing I can do here that you haven't already done because you have beaten up yourself the most and you're going to going forward. But you need to understand that you are now being put in a leadership position. Your peers are going to look to follow your example and what you model for them. And this cannot be that kind of behavior because if it continues, you are not that leader that we want you to be. That's just one of those like, oh, damn. And so, you know, I, I learned accountability through like experience of crap. Like if I'm going to expect that of others, like you got to be bring it yourself. 
Shout out to stealing from the college store or <laughs> we used to do that shit all the time. <laughs> we literally used to do that shit every day. So like, I, I literally probably walked out of our cafe with like chicken tenders and fries at least once a day for an entire year, freshman year. Absolutely. <laughs> we are not condoning that to our listeners, by the way. You no, know, but it happened. And you and, and you look back on it, you're like, oh, you really did stupid shit in college. This is prompting an episode of college idiocy. Drew, that is a uh... That story that you just told was, uh, it was not really the direction that I was going to go with, but it resonated so closely to some of my experience also with sort of my first leadership positions, type, not not real leadership, because like, you know, back in high school and stuff like that, like, you know, Shabu and I were like members of student council and like captains on sports teams and stuff like that. But like, Leadership positions where we were leaders to strangers, I think, was sort of that first bit. And I got away with it. I have a, I guess, let me start by saying this. My original answer was I have a very unhealthy relationship with accountability. I'm, I'm going to readily admit that. I am uh, somebody who is probably given more benefit of the doubt than I deserve. Uh, 1,000%. And, and I try to own that. Uh, by beating myself up through guilt, through a lot of other ways. And some of this comes from moments in college where I probably should have gotten in a lot more trouble than I, you know, did. And, you know, one of the ways was, you know, I, I got put on probation as an RA because I did something that I shouldn't have done the part about the accountability piece was very clear because it was it was almost the same words that drew i think you had heard which is like do you see the position that you're currently in do you see your actions that you are currently you know like showcasing like this these two things are not compatible anymore i always have that those that sort of literally that image of me sitting in an office getting held accountable for something that I'm just sort of like, yeah, but it's like, I just feel so guilty about it. And it's just is one of those things where, I don't know, I, I've never had a good healthy relationship with accountability, even despite that wake up call towards towards leadership and, and the moments where you need to model good behavior. Like, what do you all think blocks either us or men or just, you know, humans and in general for like getting accountability right? Because I was just thinking what Will was saying, like, I didn't really get accountability till I was, I made a dumb mistake. But like, as a parent, how do you even teach your kids accountability? Because that's not a word that you, you throw out. The first experience that I would connect to of, of feeling a real accountability was actually with my mom, right? And it was our relationship and, and what I would say, like us being a team, right? And I think the clear distinction for me was when, you know, once my dad died, right? Like even before that there were challenges, but once my dad died, like, you know, the dynamics of how we needed to like exist in order to survive and thrive changed drastically. And I can remember at age 12, 13, like needing to be responsible and accountable for making dinner, right? Or doing things around the house. And it wasn't just chores for chores sake, but it was like, listen, if you don't do these things, we are not going to move forward the way we need to, right? And I'm doing my part from my mom's perspective of working these jobs, doing whatever she needs to do to bring in resources. But like, you've got to do your part, right? And, and, and it was having that sense of, here's somebody I really care about 
And in order for both of us to move forward, I've got to do something like that. That's the first experience of accountability and understanding of being accountable. I think that I have. I was listening to Kevin Hart on Instagram and he said something like, you start what you finish, right? And I think that's like a very foundational um, lesson to young people about like, if you start something, then you finish it, right? Um, and I, you know, I've got my personal thoughts about that particular idea. Um, I think sometimes things don't work. So you don't always, just because you start, it does not necessarily mean you finish it. Um, but I think that's where a lot of parents would go. And then I also think they would go to like keeping your word. And I think that's a lot, that's also very important for me is just like a really simple way to say, you know what? If you say you're going to do something, then make sure you do it because people uh, can and will take your word as bond and it means everything. Um, and I think I wasn't taught, you know, either of those things really um, in terms of like keeping your word is like all you have. Like, and you were talking about it too, Christian talking about like just like integrity. And I think learning to like have integrity and like identify what it is just takes time. Um, and to actually be able to call it out and identify it as accountability, but it does happen when we're younger, but it's just, it's just not called that. And then, so you don't really know what it is until you probably get to a professional environment setting and people start using the term. Some adults are going to say like, oh, they're going to frame it in a way that, that deflects accountability to a certain extent. I think politicians and those sort of things. And, but then from a personal perspective, hopefully, you know, there's, there's a more, there's a, there's a more realistic approach, but when you're 19, 20 years old, you don't even want to get to the uncomfortable part because you don't even want to see the reality in what that, like what is actually happening. I think some, certainly for me, it was, it was sort of like shielding myself from the realities of what actually might transpire. You know, if, if I acknowledge, if I actually make, you know, get myself to the vulnerable place and get myself to that. I, I just, I tried to try to just block that part out of it completely. So, so becoming now comfortable with being uncomfortable and it is, I think, paramount to um, on the path to accountability. Well, and to connect what you and Will are talking about here, Lamar, integrity right or or following through with your word doesn't always mean you complete on the thing to your point right like if you start a project or you do something you make a commitment to somebody that it becomes really clear that hey i'm not going to finish this thing in the way we agreed to or the way that i thought i was going to right yeah. it's about bringing closure to it to 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 will's point getting uncomfortable right with like hey I need to tell you that I'm not going to do this thing right or i need to tell myself this thing's not going to happen right so it's a difference of like or an understanding of like what closure can mean, I think is an important lesson. And I think accessible to young people. I think that's something that yep. folks can understand in their teens and early twenties. Well, yeah. And I think to that point, like we all need to understand it because things change. Right. And what happens is a lot of times for adults and for young people, when things change and they're not going to be able to meet the expectation, we all kind of cower, we kind of shrink, we get small. And the big thing to do would be to approach the person and say, Hey, this changed and i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get it to you on friday this assignment this work project can i get until monday make the new promise make the new closing statement closure statement so that people everyone's clear on like what's going to happen and that's the big thing to do but it's like people are scared of the consequence and that's the uncomfortability that will's talking about is like oh like what now and i think you know teaching people to have boundaries teaching them how to say no um 
to not take on more than they can, not bite off more than they can chew, stuff like that. Those are the types of lessons that we all need um, in order to be better um, at being accountable to ourselves. If you're talking about a learning curve to introduce it and teach it, it is introduced as an interpersonal. Like it doesn't show up until it relates to someone else. And then as we kind of climb up the mountain, it can become a little more intrapersonal. Like how do I become more accountable myself? But like, as I asked you all, like, how do you introduce that, you know, as a parent, like the way we're doing it right now is specifically with our two-year-old when he's doing something to his four-year-old sister or vice versa, you know, we don't say you're accountable, but we're like, dude, like don't, you know, smacker, like even, or like, don't play rough. You see you upset the other one. That's your sister. That's your brother. That's your team. That's your family. And like, you are what you each other have. And then we also say like, that's your best friend right now, especially in the pandemic. So I think it is showing like how it impacts because that's what I heard from you, Shubu, with your story, your mom and like Will with you and being leadership positions. And the second thing I want to share, I'm so glad we named like the comfort thing. And I, I agree with you, Will. It is about being comfortable, being uncomfortable, because to bring in like integrity, and I'm gonna, here's my Brene Brown quote moment. I love how she defines integrity. She says, integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast or easy, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. And like, I think as adults, we can get there and young adults, but like as kids, what I'm teaching my kids right now is like, you think it's comfortable just to be like, uh, I'm good. Like I said, I'm sorry. Like, no, 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 no. Like you need to go do the hard thing and apologize and realize you did something wrong. Now, most eight year olds and no mine from experience is always going to be like, no, I didn't do anything. No. I didn't. Like, are you sure that person is crying? Are you sure? Like, look at that situation again, maybe <laughs> like, let's try to do that. And then there's just like a, a, a um, but those are so, those are good questions too for adults. Like, and personally, if, if there's an email that comes in for professionally or an email comes in from, you know, from, from a colleague, from, from somebody like another parent or something like that. And they're questioning, you know, a path that we might've decided on or something like that. I I'm sort of asking myself those same questions. Like, am I, a, you know, did, did, did what we do hurt somebody else is what we do needing of acknowledgement for some other thing. Like, and, and, and there's a lot of that, that I think goes on on a personal basis. Um, so, so the, like, there are foundational things to lead towards accountability, I think. And, and a lot of them can start when the kids are very, very young and, and we can learn as parents and stuff like that. Thinking about what baby accountability looks like for a one-year-old. And, you know, what we do with Nola a lot of times is like, you know, we're trying to like draw the line between like her being like bratty, whiny and wanting like to be picked up or, um, you know, is done eating. You know, there's like all these things that we're just trying to train her to do something she does, something she doesn't. But I think the thing that comes to mind is like, you know, when she like kind of gets aggressive and she kind of hits, she kind of hits you like in the face or like, and she's not like trying to do anything harmful, but it's just her being a baby. It's kind of like what it looks like is like, Nola, that's a, that's a hard hit. You know, you want to do a soft touch. So, you know, please don't hit hard, but then you want to do soft touch. And so it's kind of like, tell them the thing that you don't want them to do, replace it with the thing that you do want them to do and show them how to do it.
so crazy to think about it from the age of one until, you know, our age. Y'all know that here in season two of the Men Up podcast, we're focused on what we're learning through this pandemic so that we can move forward and thrive. And for Daryl Nurse, founder and master chocolatier of Chip in a Bottle, there's been a lot learned and a lot to be hopeful for. We checked in with Daryl to tell us how Chip in a Bottle is coming out of this time better than before. So for the next year, I'm very excited about having the second store opening, which is monumental for us. Having a first store was, in my opinion, monumental, but I think having a second store really lets us define ourselves and let everybody know that we're really thriving. And, you know, coming up with the new product line and having new offerings for people. And let's say I'm also demonstrating things that we can do in the shop, which is going to be a new thing for us. Um, We're going to be making chocolate on site and having it demonstrated every day in the front area, which is going to be pretty cool. Within this next year, we're able to continue the path that we're on. Visit chipinabottle.com to get any of the dozens of unique flavors shipped to you or your loved ones. Chip in a Bottle is the new taste in chocolate and is the official sponsor of season two of the Men Up podcast. As parents, you're very much in a leadership role with your kids, right? And, well, interesting and- to listen to you say it that way too. Like you are, as a parent, you are a leader like that. I've never even thought about that. How are you leading by example and role modeling related to accountability? And and for me, I think about, I mean, the closest thing I have is like my relationship to young people and my work there, right? And, and I think even in this time, right, regardless of whether we're in, you know, distance learning or when we're in person, right? For me, the role modeling for accountability is like always being really clear on like, here are my commitments, my promises to these young people around certain actions or the way I show up. And when I'm out of integrity with them, like, I need to be proactive in identifying it, right? And getting in front of them and say, hey, listen, y'all, I said that I was going to do X, Y, or Z. I didn't do it, right? And here's why, right? But, it, but I just wonder about that. Like, what does it look like as a parent? What does it look like in y'all's uh, leadership roles to, to role model around accountability? I know for me and, and for us, like, it's really huge that we name when we were wrong and when we messed up. And if it's real time, great. It's not always the case. If it's later that night or the next day, like we need to come back to our kids and be like, Hey, I need to talk to you. Like mom or dad was wrong here. Here's why here's the better version of that. So it's about modeling and, and naming it. And it's that, and that's uncomfortable because it's, it's easy as a parent to be like, I don't need to tell them like they're four, they're two. They're not going to know. Mine's a little bit different in terms of like, you know, uh, parenting versus professional it's 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 so much easier for me to uh model accountability in the professional sense all the kids got uh rollerblades start of spring we're like we're getting rollerblades we're getting them out there but i gotta i don't do rollerblades my body type uh, does not do rollerblades if if you've ever seen me we just that's not what i do i can't do it so i got i got myself a longboard and, and Drew, I'm going to come to you for tips because I know that you, you do skateboard and stuff. But anyway, I'm so I'm practicing my longboard in the driveway and and I've got my eight-year-old who then all of a sudden wants to be like, I want to do the longboard. But he keeps doing it in, in a way that I'm like, you are going to lose balance. You're going to, you're going to. And so like I was struggling to be like, all right, I, 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 
I'm, I've told you what I think you should be doing in terms of it. And this is very small microcosm and story's already too long, but uh, I'm like, I got to let him go though. And he's might fall, like might have to just eat it on this. And so he figured it out a couple of times. So what he, what does he do instead? He's like, oh no, dad, I heard you, but I think I got the most safe way to do it. And I was like, great. I'm so glad that you listened to me. What does he, what does he do? No, he just sits down. He just sits on the board and treats it like a luge. He just luges it. And I was just like, well, he's not wrong. So I guess, I guess I'm just going to eat it. But like, I was sitting there the whole time trying to be like, no, man, this is, this is the right way to do it. This is the right way to do it. This is the right way to do it. And it was just, it didn't matter. I love that. And it, it's just a nice reminder. Like when you're trying to teach people stuff for like, especially young people, they got to just try it. Yeah. That was one thing I even realized working with young people, Shabu, in our, in our role even, um, but even with Nola, she has this little, um, she has like little block house where she tries to fit the blocks through um, the different shapes that fit. And, uh, you know, sometimes she'll get frustrated because it won't go, but then she'll find another hole that does fit like it's a rectangle shape. It fits most of the shapes, but like she'll start just sticking everything through there. And I'm like, hmm, it's like, should I award her or applaud her for figuring out another way to get it done or should it be like it doesn't have to happen this way and so it's like this interesting like line with the one-year-old about like getting it done and to me i'm just like no like just get it done you figured it out one way or another you got it done it's not not necessarily like taking the shortcut but like in so many ways like get the task done and you want that kind of mindset for your young people coming up it's like it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you are like generally following the rules or doing what's asked of you, like get it done. You know what I mean? In, in, a, in a, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but like in a positive way, you know what I mean? That's not like hurting anyone. So I wonder as, as we sort of conclude at least part one here of our conversation around accountability on a personal level, why do we think talking about accountability, getting clear on the ways in which uh, we hold ourselves accountable, the ways of which we perhaps need to hold other people accountable, learning all about that. Like, why does it matter right now for us to get clear on accountability? Because that's where we're going next. <laughs> that's the most leading question there is. Listen, I, I, I had to throw some alley-oops. Because we got to hold other people accountable. And if we can't do it to ourselves, we got to, we, we, there has to be a model to hold other people accountable. It has to be a model to speak truth to power. Let's build the framework now, then make sure that we can hold everybody else accountable. Up on behind me, um, my message for the day is um, always look inward first. And I just think that a lot of us have a lot to learn about what it means to keep our word to ourself um, and how easily you can dismiss and devalue your own word to yourself. And if you do that to yourself often, the likelihood is that you then also do it to other people often. And so those people may look at you, even though you have strong relationships, they may question you at times they may not trust that you're going to show up or say be where you say you're going to be um and i had to learn that the hard way because um you know it was just i was that person that didn't really value my own word to myself and so now you know what i do is i really deep think a lot about like okay what did i say i was going to do and or didn't say um and you know did i act accordingly um and so it always has to start by looking inward it matters because as a world and as a people, as a human race, like we were meant to live in community, like meaning beyond ourselves. 
And it's a matter of helping people belong and helping people mobilize towards a common goal for, you know, hopefully the greater good. There's also people mobilizing for the common evil, unfortunately. Um, and I think to piggyback with what you said, Lamar, it is about shining that light on what to attend to. Like, what are you paying attention to now? Because the matter of it is things are going to get in our way. And so it's a matter of, can you lean on others to help you figure out what are those things getting in the way for me to do something? Hence, that's accountability, like to do my contribution to society versus sometimes you're able to just do it yourself. If you're like high you know, achieving person, perform person, you probably don't lean on people as much because you know how to self-correct. But I just want to say this, like we've talked about this so often. I think it's important too, because it's a matter of getting it right versus being right and how we work with others to make sure that we just, we try to get it right for the future. And and that's what's required is this like progress over perfection, like consistently trying to work towards it, knowing that it may never be perfect. Yeah. And I, and I just think we, we grew up in a generation. I can speak from like my grandparents and parents, like they didn't talk about that. Get it right. It's like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta be right. Like this is, this is it. And it's more probably to play it safe. Well, guys, we have two episodes worth of talking about accountability. But for this episode, for every episode, we always have resources that we lean on so that we can level up. And we want to make sure the people listening have those resources too. And this is a segment we call the Outlet Pass. You know, I'm going to start it off for personal accountability during this pandemic time. I think one of the things that was really helpful to get clear on were routines very specific in the morning afternoon, perhaps you can call it early evening and nighttime, and really think about those routines, that there are a couple actions involved, uh, and that those routines are all about rest, rejuvenation, reflection. Drew, what do you got for the people? When I was researching, I found this article on entrepreneur.com. So you'll see it. It's just called Eight Ways to Stay Accountable with Your Goals. So it's a lot more personal accountability and when setting goals for yourself, but it's a quick, easy read. Speaking of accountability, one of the things we like to do here on the Men Up podcast is to hold ourselves and each other accountable. And we like to call it, call your own fouls. So what we like to do is anytime we make mistakes or missteps and we're clear on those, uh, whether it's in our own lives or in an episode, we want to acknowledge it and get clear on where we can do better. And so back in episode two of this season, during a segment that we like to call the starting lineup, we asked a question that was framed around, if your house was burning down, if there were a fire, what would you take with you, right? And the idea with that question was really to create a hypothetical to illuminate, to highlight values. What we didn't understand at the time, and we should have if we had done proper preparation is that that can be a very real experience for many people, right? That people actually experience that, have trauma with that, uh, and that our asking that hypothetical could actually bring things up for folks uh, in our community. So first, want to acknowledge that we were wrong to do that. Uh, we did not prepare and we're not as thoughtful as we typically are in all of what we do here with the Men Up podcast. Uh, but secondly, want to highlight how we're going to change things, right? So we've already implemented for the rest of our season being a bit more mindful in our selection of questions as well as 
actually creating and crafting those questions. Uh, but the second thing that was really incredible that happened as a result of this misstep on our part was somebody from our community leveling us up by providing a whole bunch of resources around evacuation preparation, whether it's because of a fire or because of anything else that might force you to evacuate your home, your apartment quickly. So we're going to share that resource uh, in our show notes. We'll also share it on social media channels. Uh, but just want to shout you all out as a community for really holding us accountable, but also leveling us up and leveling our community up. Because I'll be honest, from, from my own perspective, before getting these resources for being challenged around this question, I didn't think about, you know, evacuation plans seriously or anything like that. So, so thank you all so much for holding us accountable for offering those resources. And I'll throw it to anybody on the team here, right? Like as a team, we hold each other accountable. It's also when we make mistakes, it's a, it's a team success. It's a team failure when we do that. So anybody else wants to uh, acknowledge anything, we certainly can. Shibu, I, I, I'll just add to, you know, we try to, like you said at the top, we, tr we try to use sort of some devices to get us thinking critically about, you know, our own practices and those sort of things. And, you know, I think one of the, the things that this situation generated was, you know, a, a more critical review of even those critical thinking exercises. I think that, that a lot of times, you know, uh, devices that you use to uh, spark creativity can, can be rooted in such real moments that, uh, yeah, we need to be more careful about what, you know, we're, we're doing. So I appreciate you acknowledging that. All right, y'all. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that you're leaving with a level up and that you'll join us again. Please subscribe, review, and spread the good words so that we can all redefine and thrive. Appreciate y'all. The Men Up Podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viati Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com. <laughs>